my first pastor's conference here in South Queensland, I was given this book um, as a gift. Actually, I won it. I can't remember how I won it, but I won it. I must have put my hand up quick for something. Um, and uh, it's been sitting on my shelf for some time. This technology is not great. Batteries are not working, so you might have to just zoom along for me occasionally for the next one. So that's a picture of the book there. So yeah, I left it on the shelf, but um, this year as, as we were looking at messages for Refresh, uh, this book stood out to me and I thought, I believe there's something in this book that will actually speak into our lives. And um, so we pulled it out. It's written by Craig Groeschel. Now, um, you may never have heard of this guy, but you may have seen that app called YouVersion. In fact, I'm sure many of you have it on your phone. And if you don't have it on your phone, I permit you to get it out, download it right now. Um, and uh, their church, in fact, a young 20-something uh, dropout of uni guy, at about the time that apps were um, being born into this world, had, a, had an idea for a an app for the Bible, and they said, go, give it a crack. And um, here we are, I think that was around 2008. Um, so just over 10 years later, I think there's about 200 million downloads of that Bible app. It's free, um, but it's from Craig's church. And it's something interesting I heard him say uh, recently. He said, when we give away, that's when we grow. And it's really cool, that motto of their church, and they gave that app to the world. So um, Craig wrote this book, and um, last month I had the privilege, coincidentally, although I don't believe in coincidences, really, I actually believe God leads. Um, a number of us and some leaders from our church, young people, went to hear Craig speak on the Gold Coast. And um, so I'm really excited to kick off this new series. We finished up a series last week and kick off this series for the next uh, four weeks. So we have one little interlude, but for the next four weeks, we're going to pick out um, four different chapters from this series and uh, bring them into our lives to, um, uh, over the next month. And if you're looking for this book, if you want to go and grab it, it's actually been retitled. It's called Life in Jesus. It's still available, but it's under a different, um, a different name. So uh, the messages that you'll hear are being based on this, and, and um, I give credit to this pastor and for his um, insight and direction. I wonder if you could just, you know, poke your finger in the air if you have or would like to have a smartphone. See if this is working. Go on, be honest. If I don't see many fingers poking, I know you're lying and you shouldn't lie in church. Um, I might need you to move along um, as, you, as you can. Clayton, I think that's good. Are there little snakes going around? Um... So um, I mentioned in a previous message that we have that there's an, a condition called nomophobia. Does anyone hear that day when I spoke about that? No? That's fine. Good. Although repetition, repetition, repetition always helps learning, doesn't it? Well, nomophobia occurs in situations when we extre experience extreme anxiety due to not having a mobile phone within reach. Have you experienced nomophobia? Have you driven off halfway down the highway and realised your phone was at home and went, <gasps> how am I going to survive today? I'd look around this room and I actually think there was a time, people, where you survived without it. There's a few of you who have not had that experience. You have always lived with them. But most of us, we have. But anyway, um, 
you know, honestly, most of us, we do love technology in some form or another. I'm sure there's some of us who have moments where we wish we could just throw all devices out the window or we go into some kind of hysteria when we see our inundation of emails. But really, those tantrums only last for maybe days, hours, sometimes moments. And, um, and what about social media? There we go. There's some symbols up there. Everyone knows some of those symbols, perhaps. I actually don't know all of them, but what's the in? Oh, that is LinkedIn. There we go. There we go. So uh, who can confess to at least two or more of those apps on their phone? Yeah, there's a few. Who has at least one? Yeah, we do, don't we? So Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat. Now, some of us are actually addicted to these, but we won't go there right now. And some of us actually just imagine they don't exist. I don't need that stuff. Um, but as I said, anyone under 30, it's probably pretty much just normal life. It's almost part of the DNA. Um, so you younger ones, you Insta and Snap and Tweet. And I think if you only want to communicate on Facebook, it's through Messenger to tell your mum, please don't put that picture of me on your Facebook page. Would that be right, young people? Do you say, mum, please don't post that? No? I think they do. I've seen it with my own eyes. Well, I'm unfortunately past my 20s. So that puts me into probably a majority of a Facebooker type of person, and I am. And I've leaned down a lot in my use of Facebook. In fact, um, uh, I can but I can still find myself, you know, scrolling through it and, you know, looking at other people's kids and their awards and what they had for dinner and where they're going on holidays. And it doesn't take long before, you know, you while away some time. I don't know if anyone else is like me, but I think you are. You know, there's a lot of um, benefits to social media. Um, there's a lot of great things. You know, we can use social media. I love the fact that I can communicate with people that are in my world but aren't physically in Brisbane, people I've left behind in different parts of the world. I love the fact that I can put on encouraging messages, Bible verses, all those really warm, fuzzy things you find and you can repost them and just be a light somewhere. And I love, you know, when there's a good social justice cause um, or, or a GoFundMe thing, you can push it forward and hopefully be a blessing. There's lots of great things about social media, obviously, that we know. And at the same time, even with these opportunities, there's lots of, unfortunate, there's a lots of downsides and negatives. So this series, Living in a Selfie World, we'll be looking at and exploring our well-being when it comes to social media and how that connects with the truth of what we find in the Bible, God's Word, what He wants, what He thinks, and what He esteems for us. So if you're not an Instagram, Snapchat, a Facebook, a Twitter person, that's okay. Don't, don't leave us. Just stay because the words from these series will still speak into your lives. So we're going to dive in. Today's topic, living in a selfie world, is contentment versus jealousy. So meet two mums on Facebook. Mum one, she's a working mum. She, um, she is scrolling through the feed of a stay-at-home mum. Would anyone like to act out what you think she's thinking? I just hate her. She's perfect. She's the amazing mum. Look at her. She's doing crafts with her kids. She's outside playing with her kids. She's baked dinner for the night. I feel so guilty. Then 
the same mum that she's looking at is sitting there on the train, coming home, looking at her Facebook page and seeing the other mum, the stay-at-home mum, and going, what's she thinking? I hate her. Look at her. She's a stay-at-home mum. Oh, did I just get that wrong? Yeah, okay. I'm glad you were awake. Look at her. So the other mum, the working mum now is being assessed. And she's like, oh, my goodness. The poor mum who's at home. I hate her. You know, she has a life. She's out there. She's changing the world. She straightens her hair. I haven't done that or seen an adult for 10 years. You know, that kind of thing is going on. All right. So two people... And we find ourselves in a space of comparing and discontentment quite quickly. Um, Some people have even advocated that discontentment in our world is at the height of what it's ever been, even though we have the most of what we've ever had. And I suppose particularly that relates to us in the first world. Um, and, And then sociologists, as they study this, might get tick along for me, Clayton, um, Sociologists feel that social media is one of the driving causes of that discontentment. And I think you would agree. Um, We can't help but look at other people's lives through our smartphones. Um, And when we do, of course, those lives look perfect. Um, They are the filtered space of that person's life. Um, An author and pastor, Stephen Furtick, he, he wrote this quote, we, we're comparing our behind the scenes with another person's highlight reels. We feel like losers because we see the best of their best and we know the worst of our worst. So, you know, you're all at home, you're by yourself and you see on Facebook your friend is out on a date in the city and you're there in trackies eating baked beans on the lounge. You know, what goes through your mind, honestly? I think for most of us, it's like, hmm. Or, you know, you see your guys scrolling through and there's your mate at the gym looking quite buff, shirt off. And you, well, you're just flat out working just to keep food on the table, no gym for you. (coughs) And you'd rather not take your shirt off. You just feel down on yourself. Um... You know, once upon a time, these comparisons, really, you only could have them when you caught up with the person face-to-face. Maybe a week later, they said, oh, I went out for dinner. Or, you know, you caught up with your mate on Sunday and said, oh, I've been to the gym. But now, we have access to those comparisons 24-7. And never before in the history of the world can we actually almost instantly measure popularity, can't we? You know, it wasn't that long ago that you kind of had a guess at how popular you were. Um, Maybe if you're a school kid, you know, that horrible thing teachers used to do to go, all right, pick your team. You know, you kind of knew where you were in the pecking order. But nowadays it can be measured instantaneously, measured instantaneously, you know. How many followers do you have? How many likes did your picture get? And so we compare ourselves, our mate, our friend, my sister, and suddenly we feel we're not as good or as cool. 
We compare and we conclude. Everybody else's life is so much better than mine. Do you like that little thing at the end? Except for the last one. The more we compare with others, the less satisfied we are. Researchers did a study. I found this very interesting. Two college universities um, did this study. They had students spend time on Facebook for 30 minutes. And then after that half an hour, they surveyed them, looking at their feelings and the emotions. And it would be no surprise that one third of students recorded they felt significantly depressed after spending that half hour on Facebook. Just half an hour, one out of three. Discontentment is real, and discontentment sits very close to jealousy. So let's have a look at discontentment in three different spaces. One is material and financial discontentment. You know, you see a post of this guy's trendy new ram. Now, I know about these because my boys are obsessed with them. In fact, there's a parent at school that has one. And sometimes we follow it into the car park. It is ginormous. It's up there. It's like America in Dakabin, you know. Um, <laughs> and you don't have that pumped-up ram. You can hardly just keep your bumped-up old Corolla still going. Or, uh, you know, you, you really want to be happy for that guy, but to be truthful, you're jealous. Or you see that picture, you know, that, that beautiful picture of those amazingly home-cooked brownies. You think, wow, but actually you're not looking at the brownies. You're looking at her kitchen behind the brownies. And it's like, wow, look at that kitchen. It's got a butler's pantry. It's got stone-top benches. Look at those open drawers and those big handles. And you're thinking, I wish I had that kitchen. And this one I relate to, you know, like, hey, what are they doing? They're going on a cruise again, second time this year. I don't even have time to go camping at, you know, Calandra type thing. Now, to be truthful, I'm sure, again, for, for us, we might struggle with being materially and financially discontent. Is it a reality? And then there's relational discontentment. You know, you see all your friends on Instagram, they're out at Eat Street under those pretty fairy lights. You weren't invited. Why was I left out? Why am I never invited? Or your mate, he's just put a very nice photo of him and his new girl up, pretty, loved up. Why don't I have someone special? He looks so happy. Or your video feed pops up of your brother coaching his kids soccer. How cool. But you're flat out getting home earlier than 8 o'clock at night just to keep food on the table. So again, we find ourselves in a space of discontentment, of jealousy, of someone else's relational status. Is that you? And the third is circumstantial discontentment where we look at the circumstances of our lives and compare them with the circumstances of someone else's life. For example, I mean, look at that guy's job. He gets to just travel. He is like a high-flyer jet setter. I wish I could have a job like that. Or 
imagine there's some kids right through this. My family's a split family. I wish I could just be like the other families. So I could fit in. And for some of us who are maybe in the older years of our lives, you know, look at that person. Look what they're doing with their life now. Look how meaningful it is. They seem to be doing things that has an impact. I thought I'd be doing something more significant by now in my life. When was the last time some of these thoughts crossed your mind and my mind? So when I think about me and I was pondering these three things, I think really I have a lot of circumstantial discontent. Mine comes around, you know, you see the pictures of those people who are out and about, um, the people who are, you know, out for dinner, away for the weekend, or worse still for me, on a holiday, right? (laughs) Me, I'm cleaning the toilet, I'm taxiing kids, I'm serving at church. We love technology. I think if we're all human, we can all relate, can't we? Charles Swindle said, life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you respond. Except for most of us, we flip it, don't we? We feel that, 90, uh, we feel that for 90% is what happens to us and we have very little control over how we respond. But, you know, I, would, I, I just want to share with you today that there is a way forward. There's a way to break the untruths, the negativity and the suppression that we have over us in comparison and discontentment. God wants you and I, he wants us to resist comparison. He wants us to see and hear his voice and in the middle of whatever mad social media world that we live in today. There's a writer in the Bible, Paul. We've talked about him before here at Refresh many times. But if you're not familiar, he was a follower of Jesus. He came after Jesus this time. He wrote a lot of the the portion of the second part of the Bible we call the New Testament. And um, he was very convicted of Jesus. Jesus had dramatically changed his life um, and he used his life to share that with others. He travelled extensively and his passion was not always well received. In fact, there were many times he was actually against opposition, he had challenges, he was actually physically harmed and he was often in danger. But he wrote letters to people, to those people that he'd met along the way, the people that he had encouraged to to see and experience God's love, the people that had um, wanted to change and be transformed. As he left them to move on, he often wrote to to encourage them and to guide them and to build them up in their journey. And this little passage of Scripture, this little passage from the Bible we're going to read is in the context of Paul being in prison. And he's on guard 24-7. He's not in the Bahamas sipping soda. So life wasn't great for him as he writes these words. And I want to read to you that it's from a letter he wrote to a group of people called the Philippians. 
And some of you, many of you will be familiar with this, this um, little passage. Perhaps the second part, not so much the first. But Philippians 4.12 says this, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. And some of you will relate to that. Some of you will really know what it is to be in need, perhaps financially. But I think if we really stretch that statement outside of financial, we've been in need in other ways. Emotionally, we've been in need. Regarding our health, we've been in need. Regarding relationships, we've been in need. So we've all had times in our lives where there's been plenty and there has not been much. We often just take that a financial. And probably for a lot of us here, that hasn't been a real challenge. But stretch it into the other sectors of your life. Paul says, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. And I've learned the secret of being content in every situation. In other words, he's saying, if life's going great and the way that I want it, or if life is actually not going the way I'd like it at all, I know the secret of being content. He says, whether fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want. And so the question is, do you and I, do we know the secret of being content when that relationship has broken down, when that friendship is being strained? Do we know the secret of being content in that space? Do we know the secret of being content when we are struggling financially and the job has been lost and the new job is not coming? Can we settle with content in that space? When our friends are not being loyal to us and there's a load of gossip happening and it's not what you anticipated from your friends, can we be content? So you know the secret? It's the next verse, yes? And the next verse says this, I can do all things through Jesus Christ who gives me strength. I can do all things through Jesus Christ who gives me strength. And this is a, a part of the Bible many of you will know well. It's a part of the Bible that um, Steph Curry has on the bottom of his shoe and slid on all his logos, at least the first part. But to absorb it in is so important. And the context of this verse is the bit we just read. It's talking about contentment. And it says, with God, with God, with God, we can experience true contentment. The secret of contentment is found in Jesus. We look to Jesus, screen his Instagram, tweet on his Twitter, hang out in his Facebook page, soak in the pictures he posts, the words he says, the videos he plays. While away your hours in his social media feed, which is called the Bible, and there are many other spaces. I have a really close friend. She's travelling the cancer journey. She's been doing it for five and a half years now. I just spoke to her yesterday. Her journey has looked like this. Surgery, chemotherapy, remission, more chemotherapy, dormant, another strange thing's happening, a brain tumour, radiation, scans, more lesions, more treatment, everything's looking good, more scans, more cancer and radiation again. It's a bumpy ride. I've listened to her ups and I've listened to her downs. 
I've seen her tears. Yet I'm always in awe of her mantra. With God, Sharon, I can get through this journey. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And she, boy, does she have strength. She's definitely human. And she asks that question. She says, you know, why me? But when that discontentment of why me comes, she quickly looks up and not down. And God reminds her of who she is. And God reminds her she's not alone. Contentment. Through the plenty and through the lean. When everything else is stripped away, when you acknowledge you don't have control and you let go and you listen to Jesus, you find contentment. You'll recognize his presence is real. You'll, re- you'll know that his, he offers a peace that actually goes beyond human comprehension. You'll find a rock and a solid place. You'll find someone who sustains you, even though the circumstance might not change. You'll find joy, a friend and a father. He's everything you need and he sees you with what you have or don't have. He sees where you are in life and he still says, and he still says, I love you. You see, we can search and we can search. We can get all the likes we want on that picture that we posted. We can get all the approval we want, all the material things. And we can know and, and love as many people as we can find. But the reality is when we experience Jesus and listen to him, that's only when we can receive full satisfaction. I don't know about you, but I don't know if you've ever been in a circumstance where you've been uh, needing to use a sink and there's no plug. So if you're a camper or you've been to a caravan park, that can often be the case. So what's your solution? Okay, I've tried toilet paper, but it just does not work, right? Anyone else done that? Okay, just me. Um, Paper towel, on the other hand, is not so bad. So if, you know, there's the pull-down paper towel, you can sort of squish it in there and it kind of... Or what's the other option? Glad wrap. Oh, that's a good one. I haven't done that one. Clothes. You know, you kind of just plug it with the socks and just hope, well, it'll stick, you know. And for sure, just for a short while, the basin sort of hangs in there, but of course, slowly, the water seeps out. There is absolutely nothing that replaces a good plug, is there? You know, we try to plug our God-shaped hole, which I think might be the shape of a heart, but our God-shaped hole in our lives, we try and plug it in many different ways, but these ways don't last. You see, we try to plug it with what, um, you know, comparing ourselves to what others have or what we think we should have, who we should have in our lives or where we should be at. But the very simple thing is that from a, from a Christian perspective, and the Bible says is that you and I are loved. We're born with a purpose. We have what we need. We are enough. We are capable, and our circumstance that we're in can still be used to help other people. You don't have to be that other person. You are who you are, and God loves you for that. So how do we find contentment? Well, there's a few little things I want to leave you with. Through Christ's strength, number one, we need to kill comparisons. Kill comparisons. I love this little story. We have this little snippet of Jesus with Peter. Now, Peter was one of his followers, and um, they had spent some time together, um, and they were having a little chat, 
And in the little, uh, towards the end of the chat, it goes like this. You'll find this in the, in, the, in the account of John. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them, who happened to be John, the author. His nickname or the way he identified himself when he was writing was this person because, um, yeah, like, you know, when I think about it, if you identify yourself as the, the disciple Jesus loved, that could sound a little arrogant, but reality is, is that Peter, John was originally known as a, a one of the sons of thunder, like he had a lot of anger when he first met Jesus. So I imagine his encounter with Jesus changed him, transformed him dramatically, and because of that, he was drawn very close to Jesus. So not only is he writing here, it's the disciple Jesus loved, I think it's an expression to say, it's the disciple that I love. Uh, it's, it's, I'm the one that I, I just love Jesus so much. So it also says something a little bit about John and, and maybe gives you a picture of what he's like. Whereas Peter is this abrupt, foot-in-the-mouth kind of guy, just says what he thinks without thinking, actually. And um, Peter turns and he says, hey, Jesus, um, what about him? Because Jesus had just spent a bit of time talking to Peter, just telling him a little about the future, what was going to... What, what was going to play out a bit in Peter's life. And Peter looks over there at that other guy, you know, and he says, hey, Jesus, what about, what about him? And he goes on, immediately, Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. I love it. Just a little picture, but it says a lot. Jesus says, hey, don't compare yourself with someone else. You think John's amazing? You're amazing, Peter, too. Don't compare yourself with someone else. Whatever I have planned for him, that's between me and him. I've got something for you, too. Just follow me. Trust me. Walk with me. Finding contentment is looking to Jesus, letting him be your mirror, not social media. Paul also writes, when he's writing to another group, the people of Corinth, he writes this, We do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with others who commend themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with others, they are not wise. Comparing is not wise. Simple, full stop. Straightforward, full stop. No excuses. We know, you and I know, it's not wise to compare. When I was in um, primary school in country Queensland, um, I was in year six, and for whatever reason, they were having a fashion parade. No idea why, man. Goodness knows. And it was back in the day where OH&S did not exist. So I remember the fashion parade was on top of the school desk, like we made a runway kind of thing, right? Mr. Bear, did you be all right with that? No, okay. Anyway, um, so I, I honestly don't know so much about this, but this one thing fits in my head. So my sister and I are five years apart. She's five years older, and she had been in my aunt's wedding. And um, she wore, and they had been purposely made her bridesmaid's dress. I remember it being long to the floor. don't remember a lot about the top. It was fairly simple, but it was white, and it had a, a sort of some, some floral um, stuff <laughs> on it. Um, but I thought it was beautiful. And so it had been kept, obviously, um, because for me to fit it, time had obviously passed. 
And for our family, we didn't have a lot. A lot of our clothes were um, off shop. In fact, there used to be a, a thing that came around town every now and again. It was like it was called the jumble sale. It was like a moving off shop. And so it would come to town and mum would go and stock up on clothes. And, and the other clothes I would get would be spring. Like mum would pull out the ports. Anyone use that term anymore? Anyway, pull out the, the suitcases full of my sister's old clothes and go, there we go, there we go, there we go. Anyway, so... That, that was kind of it. But I just thought this dress was amazing. Like, it had been purposely made. It had been hand-sewn, hand you know. It wasn't from a jumble sale. And I thought, I'm going to wear this, this beautiful dress. And I remember, like, going out on this catwalk. My head was high. And I just felt like a princess. Like, I just felt amazing walking in this dress. It was slippery fabric. Sorry, Mrs. Hands. I have no idea. But it was beautiful. And as I walked back along the catwalk, you know, you walk out, you work, you, 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 there's just stars in your eyes. As I walk back, I see the other girls in the class. I see their looks. I, I, I can almost hear their comments. And by the time I walked out, I could tell all over that I compared nothing to what they had what I had thought in my mind. That my joy and my pride had been completely smashed. And I, I remember, you know, I didn't hear the voices, but I listened to the voices. I compared myself to what they had, their trendy clothes, and I was broken. And I, I, I was even angry. I was just a, a combination of emotions, just thinking... I wish I could be like them, even though I really didn't want to be like them, and I wish I could have what they had. They were the popular girls who'd go downtown to the one or two dress shops and get all the new fashions as they came into town. We have to kill comparisons. We have to take them on board and take it on board to be proactive. Another small portion of the Bible, it writes this, but suppose your hearts are jealous and bitter. This does not come down from heaven. It belongs to the earth. It does not come from God. It comes from the devil. Are you jealous? Then your life will be a mess. You see, jealous, uh, comparisons lead to jealousy. And jealousy is not from God. It's the devil's ploy to destroy us and to mess us up. And it's not what God wants for us which is a pretty big thing when social media is now at our platform 24-7. And this, this emotion is so real in all of us. It's, we have to take a stand. There's nothing worse than a mozzie buzzing around at night, is there? You lie in bed and you hear the... Mark hates it, like with a passion. And I think he has like mozzie of pink ears. So to prevent that, you know, if it's summer... You don't go to bed with all the doors open, all the screens open, do you? You close the screens, you close, I mean, you have the, clean, the screens shut and you close the doors. We do what we can to prevent those mozzies from coming in. And the second thing is, if there is a mozzie, if you're anything like Mark, he's like, right. <coughs> he will not lie there and just hope it goes away. He will get straight onto it and go, gotta go and get that mozzie. It's driving me crazy.
when it comes to discontentment, we need to be a bit proactive like this. We need to either shut some doors and some screens or when it does come our path, we need to act straight away and disarm it quickly before it takes hold. So how can we practically do this in our lives? Well, one, change or remove the cause. Some while ago, last year, I spent way too much time on Facebook. Um, you know, it was just on my phone. I just went click on the little shortcut and, doom, you know, you'd be in a meeting or you'd be anywhere. Anywhere you had a lull, it's like, oh, what's happening there? What's happening? I'm like, I really have to change. So I deleted it off my you know, traffic lights, sorry, Damo, oh, Facebook, no, delete it off, like, get rid of it, so that if I, I have to literally go into, you know, Google and find it and blah, 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 and it's not that much harder, but it is just that bit harder, and it really has reduced my time on Facebook, um, and I still could reduce a little bit more, confessions, but we need to find ways to reduce or shut it off. Sometimes we need to even maybe challenge ourselves to a social media detox, you know, one week without social media. Let's get rid of it. I spent a bit of time with a young um, past student, actually, from here, and I just find it fascinating. I don't have anyone in my house that's at that age at this time, but it's coming. I can feel it. But the phone is, is like literally always going. It's dinging. It's looking. Um, pictures are taken, I can't put that one up, I'm going to need to adjust it, swipe it, fatten it, thin it, tint it. You know, everything has to be perfect for her and I'm just like amazed, like what will they think? Like it's just so strong in the DNA. To I can't imagine saying to her, no phone for this. Like I think she would need to go in rehab, like it's just crazy. Um, but maybe that's the same for us. Like, what if we cut off all social media for a whole week? How would, that, how would that go for you and I? And maybe instead of that time, a bit of way up, maybe spend that time helping someone else or, as I said, on Jesus' social feeds. And, you know, we can take this beyond social media too, you know. Like, we can, we can be proactive. Like, for example, don't get certain catalogs. Don't get certain magazines. Cancel some subscriptions. Stop the junk mail. Um, take things off your, f you know, the online shopping app thing off your phone. Or stop watching, you know, House Flip with Joe and Chip or Grand Designs or Better Homes and Gardens. Because all this sometimes just wheels up inside ourselves of like, I wish I had. Maybe it's the boat show or the caravan show or the hunting show or whatever show. Sometimes we just simply need to shut the door, close the screen and say, nah, it's not good for me. It's breeding inside me a discontent. There's another way that um, Craig suggests that we can kill comparisons, and I love this. I've never really thought about it as direct as this, but he says, why not celebrate the successes of others? So you see that person out for dinner and instead of going, wish I was them, look at them, they have the best life, I'm, hold, I'm home folding clothes, blah, blah, blah. Say, 
God, how awesome that they get the time to go out together. Bless them in their time while they're out together. Or you see that guy with his cool, cool car. And instead of thinking, look at my dodgy old beast. Lord, just bless him. Keep him safe. May he be able to use that car to be a blessing to others. If we, if we turn it around, I really think that our whole aura around this space will change. I think it, it purifies our own emotive, doesn't it? So I found that really interesting and challenging. So the next time I see someone on a cruise, instead of going, okay, he's on that cruise, or holiday, or Europe, or wherever they are, I'm, re- I'm going to be challenged by saying, Lord, just bless them in that space. May it be what they need it to be. The second thing that we can do is cultivate an attitude of gratitude. A wise guy in the Bible, his name was Solomon, he wrote this, For the despondent, every day is trouble. Are you the despondent sometimes? Or do you know someone, you know, like, Oh, it's a bad day. Oh, it's going to rain today. Although that would be good at the moment, right? Oh, it's going to be a horrible day. The economy is struggling. My throat's sore. The kids are brats. You know. If it's not you today, it'll be you tomorrow, right? But he goes on to say, but... For the happy heart, life is a continual feast. The happy heart. If we have a happy heart, we could have exactly the same day as the despondent person, but have a totally different day. Do you agree? Because the happy heart is looking out to see goodness, God's goodness. There's no qualms that if you want to see bad in the world or in your life, we will find it, won't we? But counter to that, if you want to see God's goodness or goodness, if you look for it, you'll find that too. So let's focus on it. For the happy heart, it's a continual feast. Solomon also says, enjoy what you have rather than desiring what you don't have. Enjoy what we have. Enjoy it. Do we want contentment? Yes, we do, don't we? It's a pretty average place to be in when we're always comparing ourselves to somebody else and wishing for what they have. They have. So we can be thankful for what God's given us, Though, as we said before, instead of looking at someone else's post on Instagram and saying, I wish I had their life, just be reminded that they're probably longing for something you have as well. And the next time you think, I hate my car, thank God I have a car. The next time you wish you lived somewhere else, God, thank God I have a roof over my head and a toilet that works. When you're so busy, I relate to this one. I'm sure you will too. Oh, I'm so busy. Life's so busy. Life's crazy. How are you going? I'm busy. What are you doing tomorrow? I'm busy. Can't go out tonight. I'm busy. Rather, we could look at it and say, I'm so thankful. I have much to do. 
have children to look after, I have a job to go to, I have friends to catch, um, to support, I have a community to contribute to with. I'm so thankful, God, that I have places to be and people to bless. I thank you, God, that I am busy, that I can do significant things to bless others today. Or maybe sometimes you come to church and you think the church, ah, oh, the music, it's too loud, it's too short, it's too long, it's too high, it's too young, it's too old, it's too drab. Well, instead of that, we could go away saying, I'm so thankful, God, that we can come here to worship for you. I'm so thankful, God, that we have people that are willing to share their talents. I'm so thankful, God, for our young people in our church. You and I need an attitude of gratitude. I don't know about you, but the other thing we have in our house, air freshener. It's in the toilet, of course. But you have it other places too. You may have it in the bathroom. You may have it in the living area. You may have it in your car or in your shoe closet. You may need it too. What do we need air freshener for? Well, we use air freshener to reduce foul smells, which I'm sure you don't have in your home, but we do sometimes, and freshen up the air. It sees over the bad with the good, doesn't it? Good old air freshener. With our attitude of gratitude, we can bring a sweet aroma over the wallowing foul smells of comparison. When my life is not what I want it to be, I can still thank God for the goodness that he will bring about if I'm willing to give those circumstances to him. In God's strength, let's kill comparisons and cultivate an attitude of gratitude. Let's look and feast on his Facebook. Let's thank him because he is worthy of glory. He's worthy of praise because we've learned the secret of being content, whether living in plenty or living in want. And that secret is I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. He's all we need. Let's pursue him with all our heart. Because in him we find real love, we find enduring hope, we find true joy and contentment. Because he is life and he satisfies. So I want you just to pause right now and just take a little moment, take a little breath. And just reflect. Reflect on God's word to you this morning. Do you struggle with comparison? I do. I really do. Mark can testify to that. Not so much through Facebook, but just in general life. I often feel to myself, I'm not good enough. I don't have what it takes. Look at that person over there. Look how amazing he is or she is. But as God speaks to me, he speaks to you and he says, I love you and I want to set you free. And there's no, there's, it's not like we're never going to have a comparison again. Of course we are. But we need to... We need to keep, and I praise God that it does happen in my life where I can turn back to God and go, no, God, you've called me. No, God, I believe in you. No, God, I know who I am in you. I do struggle with that comparison, but I do come back to God and, and, and I allow God to speak into my life the truth. He loves you and wants to set you free from comparisons, jealousy, and the voices that go with these. Regardless of your past, present or future, God will not turn you away. So for you here and I here, we can say, yeah, I see it. I see it in them. 
social media and technology, it does cause me discontent and jealousy. And those of you who aren't on social media, you can say, hey, you're a little under everything too. I see it. I'm often dissatisfied. So as I say these words, I just want you to maybe these to be your words too. Right now, God, I'm taking this to you. I'm asking you to bring a settledness into my soul that I may enjoy what, you, what I have instead of longing for what I don't have. I'm going to have a happy heart, a continual party, enjoying your goodness, God, seeing your blessings all around me and celebrating the blessings others have. God, forgive me. Lead me, strengthen and help me to look to you and be content in you. When I stray to discontentment and jealousy, draw me back to the truth of who I am in you. Thank you, God. Let's pray. God, we're just so grateful that you are God and that you made us. We're so grateful, God, that the way you see us never changes. God, you love us and there's no conditions. And... We sometimes feel we have to be better or have something or be in a different circumstance to be valued and worthy, but that is so untrue. Lord, discontentment and jealousy don't belong to you and they don't belong in us or in this house. And we just ask God that you work in our lives, that we, God, will have the courage to look to you, to let you speak the truth into our lives, God, that we will stand up and we will say no to the discontentment God, that we will take courage and action, that if this has a hold on us, Lord, we will take more steps to move ourselves away so that we can be free, God, and, and to, to be all that you have called us to be. We thank you, Lord, for technology. We thank you for social media, God, and we just pray that we can use it this week to be a blessing to you. In Jesus' name, amen.